Glory to God. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. Thank you, dear Father. Hallelujah. How good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Glory to God. We thank you. And Father, again, we thank you so much for the privilege and the honor to be in this conference, this convention. We don't take it lightly. Father, we're so, um, we're so appreciative of divine connections, divine appointments. Sometimes conscious leadings, sometimes unconscious leadings, but we're thankful for leadings. And we thank you for it, dear Father. Hallelujah. We thank you for, for, uh, not only Holy Ghost leadings and connections, but lifetime friendships. We thank you for that, dear Father. Hallelujah. And we thank you, dear Father, for what you have, what you have for all of us this week, what you want to do for all of us. We all come in with different situations. We all come in with different questions. We all come in with different needs, but you're the God who's more than enough, and it's no problem for you to just just reach down and just take care of everything all at the same time. So we thank you, Father, for utterance and unction all through this weekend of, of what you want to do. Lord, we just pray and say, not our will but yours be done. Not our plan, but yours be done. Father, there's so many directions we could all go. There's, we got 66 books and we got the Holy Ghost, but we look to you to give us, uh, divine unction. Hallelujah. We, we, uh, we desire spiritual gifts. We covet earnestly the best gifts. Father, Jesus, you're the head of the church. Anything you want to do, Holy Ghost, as John Osteen said, you're the one that came came uh, rushing into the world on the day of Pentecost to take charge of the church. So we just let you, we ask you to take charge. And Father, we thank you for it in uh, Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, I think we got one that works here. Praise God. Minor detail. You can't, you know you just can't sweat the small stuff. You know. Hallelujah. The kingdom is bigger than all that. But anyway, it's it's a uh, it's a Honored to be here. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, we've been looking forward to this. We're already thrilled to be here. Um, I got my wife Janet here. I want you to stand and come up here for a minute and preach, pray, prophesy, cast out devils, whatever you want to do. No, none of those. No. Hey, y'all. Those of y'all don't know, I, I, uh, I graduated from high school in Pensacola, Florida. That's home for me. So I am really glad to be back home. And, uh, you know, this just has kept rolling in me tonight on the front row that our expectation is his invitation. Our expectation is his invitation. Your expectation is going to be his invitation. Don't come and just watch what's going to happen. Come and be a part of what's happening. Your expect your expectancy will create an atmosphere for God to come. Did you get that? So expect something. Expect God. We used to sing an old song. Uh, uh, <laughs> I anticipate the inevitable supernatural intervention of God. I expect a miracle. So I was talking about, I expect, I expect, I expect a miracle. What are you expecting? What are you expecting? Make sure you're expecting something when you come in those doors. Make sure you're expecting God. 
Because I can tell you, God is always on. God is always wanting to manifest himself. But it depends on, you know what? Are we creating an atmosphere for him? And we do that through our praise, through our worship, and through our expectancy. Amen. Amen. You can, t- you can tell I'm not the singer, but I can't help with the words sometimes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, we're just expecting whatever God wants to do. You know, we're expecting the plan, purpose, and will of God. And so, uh, you know, I uh, just to circle the airport for a couple of minutes here. You know, I was just thinking a little while ago. I thought, you know, with uh, Rhonda and Cindy and David and Scarlett and Janet and myself. Um, well, David and I, we go back 45, 1975. We met in 1975. In Atlanta at Agnes Scott College, Brother Hagen did a meeting there. And Brother Hagen had, he had his first year of Rama Bible Training Center. And when we had graduation, he needed a couple guys that needed more help than anybody. So he <laughs> hired two of us. Hired as a, uh, well anyway, yeah. Uh, roadies. And we traveled with him. And one of the meetings was at Agnes Scott College. And, and uh, David had, had come to play the, the keyboard, of course, Brother Hagen had been at your dad's church many times. And uh, so anyway, so we go back that far. If it's 1975, that puts us at uh, uh, 45 years. 45 years. Wow. And we're still friends. <laughs> but, you know, they say a friendship, a real friendship is when you cannot see somebody for years and you sit down and you pick up on the word you left off on. And uh, so we've had that kind of a of a, a connection for a long time. But I, I thought with all of us here, you know, it's real interesting. I'm just sitting on the front row over here thinking. I looked out here and I thought, it's amazing what God does because I thought of, of the group I just mentioned. Um, number one, God really had all of us joined together over, lots of years ago. I mean, back there, was that like 70, 80, 78, 79 so we all go back that far, and we've got, but the, we, we all have, number one, we're all connected um, by the Holy Ghost, but at the same time, God connected all of us with Brother Hagen, and and uh, I, I believe um, in, in those years back there, I believe God used him to put his some of his DNA on the inside of us, and and he's, he's I, I believe God used him to deposit some things in all of our lives that have changed the course of our life, and... Um, so, and, uh, you know, and sometimes you go just so far, and, and I got this phrase, you know, uh, it's like I think they have in, maybe in the movies or something, they have these sleeper cells, you know, if, you, if they got somebody that's, you know, some army has got all these people they spread out all over the country, and all of a sudden they push a button, and the sleeper cell wakes up, and I thought, I'm looking at a sleeper cell. I thought, I got, all of us, it's like all of a sudden there's something taking place right here. And I, I really believe this. I believe this meeting is divine order, and uh, we're we're all going to get something out of it. But I, I think in in the next three days something. But I think in the days to come we'll see more and more what it is and what it was. So and what it's for. So anyway, Hallelujah, praise God. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Now you know sometimes uh, with mod- thank God for modern technology. You know, the devil, this, it, we're, we're throwing all this back in his face. He worked to get, you know, the, he worked to get his will to come to pass and had lots of human uh, cooperation to shut down the nation and shut down the church. 
shut down the church in a lot of places. And, and uh, like with ours, you know, we, we were doing the best we could to be uh, easy, somewhat easy to get along with, you know, having a local church in, in America. We, we, we did everything we could possibly do. And so we had to shut the church down for a period of time. And, and we thought, well, he can shut down the building, but he can't shut down our mouths. And so, so we just started, we just went online and, and all of a sudden our church multiplied. They told me we have a noon hour prayer meeting every day. We just were on for at 12 noon every, every day. And when, when the, when President Trump said, uh, I'm asking for, for, uh, 15 minutes, uh, what was it, 15 minutes a day or 15, give me 15 days when all this started. Just give me 15 days. None of us knew how long this whole crazy thing was going to last. Give me 15 days. Well, I thought, you know, if, we're, if we'll give our president 15 days, why don't we give God 15 minutes for 15 days? So we're going to do that. Well, here we are, uh, 10 months later, however long. So we're doing all that. And, and, um, you know, we could have had a noon hour prayer meeting in the church, probably had eight or 10 people come, you know, but I, they told me the other day that in in a normal week we have over five thousand people that are take that are viewing that prayer meeting, and I'm thinking, nah, nah, devil, take that. <laughs> and we're just getting stirred up real good. God, the devil has forced us to get creative and to trust the Holy Ghost for our, for witty inventions, and he ain't seen nothing yet. You know, I'm the, the least technical person. I know how to turn an iPad on. <laughs> Beyond that, I can turn it off too, but. But uh, I'm the least technical person you can find, or one of the least. But I tell you what, I got some things stirring in me. I believe God's going to just—he's going to take the church and He's going to explode us into the into the world of technology and take the gospel places. Friend of ours, I'm just circling for a few minutes here. Friend of ours has pastored a church in Manila, Philippines, for 20 years. He's been in the Philippines for 40. He's had a church in Manila for 20 years, and uh, he and his wife are back uh, in in. Uh, uh, the states for a, a well-earned sabbatical for a few months, and uh, their church, their church, by the way, still is not open in Manila. Their church is still not. I, I don't. I haven't asked him what size, but probably four to five thousand people. And it's, the church is still closed. But he said when when the when the government shut down the church, he said every department in his church went for the technology they had. And started doing live broadcasts from their homes or whatever. And he said, it's not uncommon for us to have a month where we have over a hundred thousand people view our programs. Uh, and I thought, well, you got five thousand in your church, but the devil messed with you. Now, now you got a hundred thousand. So, so this stuff doesn't bother me. You know, people show, what if they say, what if they got, what if they shut the nation down? Well, they shut the nation down. They're going to open the world up to us because we are not going to shut up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And, and now I have to, I have to, you know, I have to have a true confession here. When all this happened, I got a little irritated. And I know none of you did. But I got a little irritated. I said, dear God, what in the world are we going to do now? You know, you can't lay hands on people because you can't find people. You can't go to the church, you know, and you, and, and you can't lay hands on people, you know, and you can't go to, can't have public meetings and you can't go out and have meetings because the churches are all shut down. I was, I was, I was saying, God, Lord, do you understand what's going on? You know, I'll, I'll make this as clear as I can, Lord. I am a, I am a Bible teacher. I'm a minister of the gospel and I ain't got nowhere to go because nothing's open anymore. They shut Europe down. They won't let Americans in Europe anymore. And all this is going on. And I explained to God how bad this was. And then between the Holy Ghost, you know, one, one fellow said to me, he said, every married man has two Holy Ghosts and one's harder to argue with than the other. 
<laughs> Notice I stepped over this way. But while I was explaining this to God, my lovely wife chimed in with him and let me know that there's, uh, there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Now, if you have cats, please don't take that personal. But, but anyway, um, God began to deal with me that, uh, and seriously though, with, with my wife's help and the Holy Ghost together, God began to deal with me that if Paul were on the earth today, uh, he probably wouldn't be sending handkerchiefs and aprons to people. He probably would be talking into the internet and sending the anointing all over the world. <laughs> and that he did, he used what he had, Acts 19, sent handkerchiefs and aprons and the sicknesses departed from them, the evil spirits went out of them. That he probably, he had, he used what he could use. But today, I mean, we still do that. We send them out all the time now, but, but today, today we got something else. Instead of sending a cloth to somebody halfway across the state, now we can turn on the internet and we can send the guy, and we're seeing, we're seeing we're having a monthly virtual healing rally on a Friday night, and we're seeing more, we're seeing as many people healed online as we've ever seen healed in services. People are calling in. We've had more people healed of COVID. We've had people with all the COVID symptoms, lungs full, and all that just instantly get healed. And uh, so anyway, so God's. Um, I said all that to say this. I think we're online. Are we online? So this could be for somebody here, but the way things are working, it could be for somebody that's uh, watching online. But just before we came over here uh, from the room uh, tonight, I, I'm just—I wasn't really thinking about anything particular. Just kind of pondering the service, and I heard the word uh, diverticulitis. And, and I, I mean, I don't know exactly what it is. I got a general reference, but there's somebody's dealing with diverticulitis. The power of God's dissolving that right now. That's—it's—it's it's going away, going, 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 gone. If it's somebody in here, great. If it's not, if it's somebody out there, um, I'm just telling you, He sent His word and healed them, delivered them from their destruction. Hallelujah! Somebody's getting healed of whatever, they, and I understand enough to know that that's a very, very painful uh, disease. And I've known people that have had surgery for that, but beyond that, I don't know anything about it. But uh, and and, uh, and then somebody else with with acid reflux, and it's gotten serious enough that sometimes you have to sit up in bed because of because of the of, of the the reflux, you know, and and what they call it, aspirating, I think. It, um, but but it's gotten bad enough that it's starting to it's coming up and it's starting to to burn your esophagus on the inside. And so somebody's been dealing with that, and the power of God's healing that right now. So in the name of Jesus, you just take that. Say, aren't you going to call me up and lay hands on me? Nope. No, just take it. Just take it. Hallelujah. You didn't have to have hands laid on to get saved. You don't have to have hands. Laying on hands is one way God heals, but it's not the only way. Praise God. So anyway, so anyway, um, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, I've circled long enough. I think I found a runway. <laughs> okay. Um, praise God. Now, now, with these meetings, these are going to be kind of different kind of meetings. This is, this is uh, ministering with the Spirit, ministering in the Spirit, ministering, moving with the Spirit. I do songs the same way. I get them close. Moving with the Spirit. And so, so with, with, uh, you know, with us on the front row here, we all know each other. We work together. Nobody's itching to get the mic, but we want everybody, we want what the Holy Ghost wants. And the Bible did talk about days when He said, you'll see and flow together. 
It's in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. See, the, the day will come, you'll see and flow together. And, and I believe, you know, I believe when you get cut, uh, one river can do certain things, but you get two rivers when they run together, it's going to get bigger and better. So, uh, so as we do this, as we are in these meetings this week, you know, um, I, I think we all know each other well enough here that, that, um, uh, we can, we can work together on this and, and, uh, if you get something like Brother David, if you get something, or, or, or Scarlett, Janet, if you guys get something, uh, you know, uh, you know, sometimes people say, well, just wait, I'll wait and see if you call on me. I'm going to ask him to do differently. If you get something, just come up here and I'll hand you the mic. Okay? Somebody goes, well, you know, you shouldn't interrupt the Holy Ghost. Well, if it's the Holy Ghost coming up here, then it won't be interrupted. So, so anyway, um, I, I wanted to just kind of launch out with this. <laughs> I think moving with the Spirit, moving in the Spirit, I, you know, these terminologies is so pertinent for today. I think it's not only pertinent, I think it's, it's necessary, it's imperative that we have this. Um, man, in, in kind of praying about the services here, uh, I, I was thinking back to, uh, it was, well, it was, uh, the mom and dad Hagen had that house with the pool out in back, that first one, which would have been early, mid-80s, something like that. And, uh, um, you know, Brother Hagen, you know, sometimes he'd talk and sometimes he wouldn't, you know. And sometimes he'd just talk and talk and talk to you. And sometimes, you know, he'd say, oh, don't you come over and hang out for a little while. We'd go over there and hang out for a while. You'd sit there for two hours and he'd go, well, okay, night, you know. And he'd go, why did I come over here? But anyway, but, but um, I remember one time uh, we had the, the opportunity, Janet and I were, went over to see what we call Mama Dad Hagen. God, God gave all of us a connection like that here. We, we all had a, a divine connection. It's, it was divine. But anyway, um, he, uh, I remember I was outside with Brother Hagen and, uh, he's doing, he was in one of those really quiet moods, you know, so he's quiet, I'm quiet. We'd do that. I'd see my wife, we'd head for home, she'd say, what did Brother Hagen said? I said, nothing. She don't know really what he say. I'd say, no, really nothing. He said, absolutely nothing. 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 So anyway, somebody goes, well, that's really weird. Yeah, but sometimes you get as much by presence as you do by conversation. <laughs> and so, so, uh, but I, I, where I'm headed with this is I remember all of a sudden, now this is maybe early 80s, and, uh, all of a sudden, and, and you know, and you see, I'm, I'm, we're, we're, Janet and I are traveling. I'm a, I'm a Bible teacher. I'm in the, it's a teaching revival we're in. Faith is kind of the primary subject of that revival, but it was a teaching revival. That's what it was. And, and all of a sudden, Brother Hagen, he just, all of a sudden, he just kind of looks over and he goes, you know, the, the teaching revival's beginning to wane. And I said, okay. I mean, I'm not going to go, no, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I, I said, he said, the teaching revival, this is early, early 80s, mid 80s at the most. He said, you know, the teaching revival is beginning to wane. I said, okay. And, I, and, and he kind of looked away again and I thought, oh, great. The teaching revival is beginning to wane. I'm a teacher. I guess I'm beginning to wane. I, I, you know, it's like I just got started and now I'm obsolete. You know, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a, I'm not even a exhorter. I'm a teacher. Okay. So I thought, oh, great. And I, I thought, are you just going to leave me hanging like that? And it's probably 10 minutes later, you know, now I'm, my, the wheels are turning. About 10 minutes later, he looked at me again. He said, there's a move of the spirit coming. And I thought, my mama didn't raise a moron. 
I, you know, I can understand. He, he gave me two phrases. He said, the teaching revival is beginning to wane and there's a move of the spirit come. In other words, you know, buddy, get yourself ready. Because see, I didn't grow up around the things of the spirit. I didn't, I, I grew up around a church. I just didn't go very often. I was in a nominal denominational home. We had a church I went to not every now and then I went not very often and they, I went kicking and screaming. Um, you know, I really I always loved God, but I just didn't think he was like relevant for today. And, and I went off to college and, and I, I, second year of college, I went to a meeting, went to, went to a service there. I went and, and walked an aisle and made Jesus Lord of my life in ni- November 1972. And here we are a few years later. But, um, but even, even after I gave my life to Jesus, I went back to my home denominational church and got more of what I had growing up with. And I finally found this bunch of wild-eyed Pentecostals, uh, just a little ways outside town, went to their church. This is the craziest bunch of people I've ever seen in my life, man. They were wild Pentecostals. And I thought, people said, did you get offended? I thought, I love this. I've been around crazy people at college and they got nothing compared to these folks. And, uh, Got filled with the Holy Ghost and, and, uh, but I went right directly from there to, to, you know, to Bible school and I was worked for a while in real estate and I went to Bible school and, and, uh, but the, I never knew anything. I got filled with the Holy Ghost, but I didn't know anything about the flow of the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So when Brother Hagin said that, I thought, I, I said, Lord, if you're looking at me to help you with this, you got the wrong guy because I don't know anything about this. I don't know anything about. I got friends that grew up under church pews. They grew up around the things of the Spirit. I've never seen it. I've never been around it. I said, you're talking to the wrong person. If you're looking for somebody to get involved in a, in a flow of the Holy Ghost, you got the wrong person. You know, let me help you with this. You got the wrong person. And, uh, but I, I started to dive in and pray and study and listen and watch and learn and go to meetings and let God make deposits in my life. And I did all right, all that. So then, moving ahead a number of years, Brother Hagin's been, he's been in heaven 17 years, I think, now. But the last couple of years before he left, he'd get in the pulpit and he'd say, you know what God's doing today? He said, let me tell you what God's doing today. He's building strong. Now, this is years later, but it's still almost 20 years ago now. He said, you know what God's doing today is he's building strong local churches that know how to flow with the Holy Ghost. He kept saying that over and over and over and over and over. And so when he said that, it just dropped like, you know, like a coin in a slot. It got on the inside of me. And I thought, I know no matter where things go. And really from that point on, the church world turned the other direction. The church world as a whole, instead of having strong local churches that know how to flow with the Holy Ghost, a lot of churches began to turn away from the things of the Spirit, began to put the Holy Ghost somewhere else and, and, and stifle Him. And no, no gifts, no tongues, no interpretation, no prophecy, no, you know, a lot of churches went other directions. I'm not going to criticize anybody. I'm just saying... From the time he said that, but some things have to be said before they're ever going to come to pass. And he said that number of many, many, many times. Then he checked out and went to heaven and left us with it. Thank you. But I, t- but I, but I assume that I agree if he stole, um, Bregesusta is Ganandes Mishkanande Elvisto, Bregesvistamashkaniste K. So fasten your seatbelts and hang on because things are about to change in a very rapid, drastic way. And Holy Ghost churches will thrive in the days to come. Gifts of the Spirit will be copious. Manifestations of the Holy Ghost will operate. Not only the utterance gifts and the revelation gifts, but there shall come a demonstration of power gifts that will shake the church and rattle the world. So buckle up and hang on because the best is yet to come. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay. Hallelujah. So, so, um, so that stirred me. Uh, it changed me. I, I talked to a friend of mine one time. I said, because he grew up, he grew up around Pentecost. He grew up around the things of the Spirit. He grew up, you know, his mama was a praying woman. He grew up around prayer. He grew up around the things of the Spirit. He said, I grew up in, in a church where he said it was not uncommon for us to have services where we'd have to carry the men out and, and slide them in the backseat of cars and drive them home because they, they were too drunk in the Holy Ghost to be able to drive. He said that was common. And so I never saw any of that. They did not do that where I came from. And uh, I said, how do you get there? How do you get there? He said, oh, that's easy. He said, work, figure it this way. He said, if you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, i, I got to get things simple. If you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, what's going to come out? I said, probably toothpaste. He said, why? And I said, because that's what it's full of. He said, you get full of the Holy Ghost. All you got to do is get squeezed, and the move of the Spirit's going to come out of you. So I thought, okay, I can do that. And so anyway, so I've spent the last 20-some years uh, endeavoring to learn the ways and the flow of the Spirit of God. Somebody that goes, do you know it now? I don't think you ever know it. I think it's a it's a lear- it's an eternal learning curve, but um, but anyway, um, we're, we're on the edge of some things. I, I believe there's meetings like this, and that's what it's, this, that's what this is about. There's all kinds of conferences, and they're not bad, but I believe there's some divine Holy Ghost conferences where God's going to be able to just light some fires and, and start some rain and get yeah. some things moving. And I, I believe that's what. I believe that's what we're going to have to have is some folks like this couple that will jump out and say, okay, we're going to have a conference, and it's going to be about the move of the Spirit of God. And when you invite him like that, he has the opportunity to come. And uh, so so I said all that say, we're really glad to be here. <laughs> it's, the, it's the long way around. But, uh, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm uh Wrestling with a couple things. That's why I'm moving a little slower. Um, we're at such a unusual time right now. Um, there's a storm coming. Okay, uh, I, I, I don't really like to go this way. I, you know, I like to be the, you know, a card-carrying member of the Optimist Club and all that. But, but um, a number of years ago, a number of years ago now. And I'm not necessarily, I haven't always been real given to some of these things. But a number of years ago, I'd be praying and all of a sudden I'd, I'd see out mm, on the horizon. I'd see two clouds, two giant clouds rolling side by side. One's a dark cloud, one's a bright cloud. Okay? And I thought, whatever that is, great. This is years ago. And a couple of years later, without thinking about it, pray about it, and here comes two clouds. Here's these, But they're about halfway closer. And they're moving our direction. And then a couple years later, we'd be praying, and there they're really close, really close now. And um, all I knew was a dark cloud is bad stuff, bad times, whatever. Bright cloud is the glory of God, manifested presence of God. It's not either or, they're simultaneous, okay? And just um, a few weeks ago, Sunday morning, my wife's up leading the worship, and, and, and in fact, she's exhorting. She's exhorting about the joy of the Lord. Okay, this is wonderful. I got my eyes closed and I'm enjoying this and all of a sudden, 
and again, like I said, I'm not always real given to these kind of things, but I'm on the front row getting ready to take the service. And all of a sudden, uh, I inside, I hear a clap of thunder like you would hear in a bad, bad storm. Loud clap of thunder. And I got my eyes closed, but then there were these two flashes of lightning, almost blinding lightning. And I'm thinking, what? And I'm going, there, the blue sky out there, there's no storm outside. But then I heard on the inside, uh, sound the alarm. There's a storm coming. Sound the alarm. There's a storm coming. And I, I kind of basically kind of wanted to say, God, would you ask somebody else to do that? Because I like to be positive. <laughs> but um, anyway, um, there's, there's this, uh, I don't, 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 I don't want to throw, I really don't like going this way and I don't want to throw anybody off, but we need to hang on because when you two were flowing with tongues and interpretation, you met, you said a phrase here of, what was that? Caught, you were, when you gave the interpretation, it was, caught me off guard, caught me off guard, caught me off guard. I think there's some stuff coming. Some people are going to be caught off guard, but I think there's a lot of us that are going to be on guard. We're going to be prepared. We're going to be ready. And what we're going to do is we're going to be joy and rejoicing. We're going to be shouting the victory. We're going to be running and dancing and jumping and shouting, feeding on the word. We're going to walk victorious through whatever comes. Now people say, well, yeah, we're already there. I'll try to explain it this way. We've had this for months rolling around on the inside. There's a storm coming. And it's coming to America. Well, I don't believe in that. Well, I'm not real sure that's going to make a lot of difference. Okay? Um, there's, uh, and, and it's, let me help you with this. Uh, it's not a pandemic. It's not uh, a financial issue like we had with all the states being shut down and all that. It's not Antifa or uh, anarchy in the streets. And let me help you with this one. It's not the elections. The elections, I'm not even going to go there, but I think we've allowed the elections to get us sidetracked. Thank you, distraction. Okay, is this all right, David? Is this okay? <laughs> it's, the elections, they're real, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not even going to go there, but if we don't watch it, we allow those to become such a distraction, we don't see what's coming around behind. And there's some stuff coming around behind, and there's a storm coming to America. Somebody goes, what is it? I don't know. I got some ideas, but my ideas are no better than anybody else's. All I know is we've been praying about this for months. There's a, there's a, there's a storm coming to America. But I believe, uh, we got four words. Four? Five. We got four, praying, we got four words. We, we're gonna pray and either minimize, neutralize, delay, stop, or just walk, walk victoriously through the whole thing. I believe we can do that. Okay? I, uh, for instance, 19 years ago, uh, 9-11, that was supposed to be 30,000 people killed by terrorists. 3,000 is bad enough, but 3,000 is not as bad as 30,000. And I believe the church prayed, and because the church prayed, it minimized that thing. Okay? But it forever changed the world. Forever changed the world. So, you know, so bottom line, but, uh, you know, I wanted to kind of throw that out and just say there, there is something coming. But, but one thing I know for sure is the answer, and, and we keep praying the word, been praying the word ominous. Don't you just love getting into prayer and hear yourself pray ominous? Ominous. Thank you. Thank you. Have you got anything else? Well, I know this is not what you came to the conference for. <laughs> Stick with me. I'm going to take a turn here in a moment. Um, but, but, 
One thing we got by the Holy Ghost is the answer to ominous is glorious. That is the bottom line. We can either focus on ominous and something's coming. Something's coming. I wish I could say this is just, you know, I, I not told people, you know, we've talked about this in our prayer services and I said, you know, the bottom line, I, uh, I hope we get down the road and I have to get up and say, folks, I was so flat wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I misread everything. I hope that's the case. This is not where you want to go. Yep, I told you I was right. That's not what you want. But, but, no matter whether it's right or wrong, the fact is, it's, it's not what's coming, it's what are we going to do with whatever does come. How are we going to handle that? Answer to ominous is glorious. We, my wife talked to somebody, a friend of ours, another part of the country, contacted her today and said their church has been praying a lot and they keep, they keep praying out the word foreboding. There's a foreboding something. So we're not alone in all this. I'm not going to ask for any show of hands, but I'm guessing probably a few people in here have been having a sensing of something coming. Something coming. All right? Probably don't know what, when, where, how, anything else. But but there's something coming. Okay, what are you going to do? You're just going to run, hide, bury your head in the sand, hope it goes away? No, you prepare yourself and walk victorious no matter what comes. But But with that... I want to go to the glorious side. Okay, because no matter what comes along, I'm telling you, we know where this thing's going to end up. We know where it's going to end up. I, uh, you know, if you, you go back through to um, the ex- book of Exodus, 33rd chapter, and um, Israel, you know, Moses had gone up on the mount, and he had... Uh, uh, You've been up there to get the Ten Commandments, you know, things are going real good. He's, you know, God's just used, used Moses to, to take three million Israelites out of the, the bondage of Egypt and, and they're out there, they've been out for a little while and he's gone up on the mount to get the Ten Commandments and things are just going really good, but he's up there too long. He's, he's up there 40 days. He comes back down and somehow they've just decided, maybe he decided not to come back, so they just uh, took all their gold off, melted it, had Aaron make a cow and they're having a, uh, they're having a party. And they're singing and they're dancing and around a golden calf. And, and, um, so Moses went down there and he smashed the Ten Commandments and he, and he took the golden calf and he ground it into powder, threw it out on the water, made him drink that. That's indigestion, you know. And, um, so, so he, um, uh, Moses, you know, so he, he got a little aggravated, got a little unsanctified, you know. Smashed the Ten Commandments the whole bit. And uh, anyway, went back up another 40 days. God gave him a replacement. But if you notice in the 33rd chapter of Exodus, uh, God spoke to Moses and he said, I'm, I will honor my word. I will, I will send my angel before you. I will take all of you into the promised land. I will give you exactly what I said. I will keep my word. I, I'll keep every one of my promises I'm going to do. I'll make you rich. I'll give you places to live. I'll... Send an angel to drive all your enemies out. I'll drive out the Hittites, the Canaanites, Jebusites, the Parasites, whatever. (laughs) But I'll drive all these folks out and I'm going to give you the land. So in other words, you'll be a, you'll be a powerful church. You'll be the biggest church in the world. Three million people. You're going to have lots of money. You're going to have lots of gold. You're going to have lots of, you're going to have, I mean, you know, you're going to have rivers and streams and rain. You're going to have everything you want. But he said, but there's one thing missing. He says, I'm not going with you. You're a stiff-necked people, and I'm going to probably consume you on the way. So I'm, I'm not going up with you. So in other words, you're going to have everything. You're going to have everything anybody could want except my presence. You know, there are folks that would take that as a deal. 
I love what Moses said. God, he said, if you don't go, I'm not going. If you don't go with us, I'm not. If you don't go with us, how is the whole world going to know that we're your people? How are they going to, if the one thing that's going to separate us from all those ites over there on the other side, the one thing that will separate us from everybody else is going to be your presence. And if your presence doesn't go, there's going to be no difference between the, the saints and the ain'ts. If you don't go with us, there's no use us going. I'm not interested in all the stuff if I don't get your presence. That's all there is to it. We're talking about moving with the Spirit of God. We're talking about having the move and flow of the Holy Ghost. I don't care if I have, I don't care if I could have a church of three million people. All the gold, all the silver, all the stuff doesn't make a bit of difference. If God's not there, it's just a big club. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, so, God says, uh, so follow me here. I'm not going to take time to go back through this. It'd take us too long right now. I'm just going to hit the highlights. So, so God, he's saying, God, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. I'm not going. He's negotiating with the, the master. And God says, okay, I'll go. He said, but no, God, if you don't go, they're, they're not going to know there's a difference. He says, okay, I'll go. He said, yeah, but you have to, you have to understand, God, we, I'm, if, if you don't go, I don't, he's having this, he's not listening. God's already said twice, I'll go with you. Okay. I will go with you. Finally, he said, God, if you don't go, he said, I'm going with you. And then, what, and then what's Moses say? He says, Moses, show me. Moses said to God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. God said, okay. So I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to put my hand over you. I'm going to walk past you. Can't look on my face and live. I'm going to walk past you and then I'm going to take my hand away. I'll let you see my back parts, my goodness, my mercy, my grace. And then God went with them up into, of course, of course, when Israel went in the promised land, God did go. But uh, that key phrase in there, if Moses could ask for the glory, why shouldn't the church be able to? The manifested presence of God. Now, um, that's a subject we could spend a lot of time in. But I, uh, see, like I said, I didn't come up around the things of the Spirit of God. I didn't come up, I didn't come up around church. And so I had to kind of learn as you go. And uh, But, you know, I... Uh, uh, when I graduated, Brother Hagen started Raymond in 1974 uh, gra- and graduated, you know, the end of May 1975. And uh, myself and another young man, Brother Hagen, took us on the road with him. He was doing four camp meetings that summer. Did one in, in um, Los Angeles, one in, in uh, Birmingham, one in Detroit, and one in Tulsa. Four different camp meetings around the country. And we went with him on those four camp meetings. The very first one, we left right after school, and we headed up to Detroit. It was uh, outside Detroit, a place called, a suburb called Troy. And he said they had a, a full gospel businessman would set up a tent, have a, a, a international convention there. So full gospel businessmen were real strong in that area. They'd set this tent up in the parking lot of the Hilton Hotel in Troy, Michigan. Well, Brother Hagan, sometimes they'd hold that meeting, and Brother Hagan say, just leave the tent up, I'll rent it, and I'll do a meeting up there. So he'd keep the tent up. So anyway, so we're up there, and he's got this meeting in this tent. I don't know what it would hold. It looked huge to me, but maybe 500. I have no idea. But we went up there, and um, for this this other young man and myself, our job primarily was to, to work at the product tables, but our job was to work the prayer lines. I mean, we're in a parking lot. You know, if people fall... In the spirit, nobody cares. If they're not in the spirit, somebody's going to get hurt. <laughs> and so we had this piece of carpet rolled out across the front of the front of the platform in that tent on the parking lot. 
And Brother Hagin, you know, he, this was maybe second or third night. He, um, he's ministering every night. We're there for a week. And he, um, one night, I'm thinking maybe third night, but it was, it was, uh, it was June, June 1st, 2nd or 3rd of 1975. That I do know. Uh, I recently found the recording on the internet. So I've got that in my phone. Um, and uh, so he's, he, he's ministering, and he, he basically says, in so many words, um, the, the Lord's been dealing with me that I should study concerning the glory of God. Okay? Now, you have to understand, the only thing I knew about the glory of God is you're not supposed to take any of it. He won't share his glory. So I'm thinking, okay, what's this going to be? He said, and he said this afternoon as I was praying, he said the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, minister on the glory of God tonight. I thought, okay, this will be good. Well, he went, he started, he went through Old Testament, New Testament. He went through his life and ministry. He went through, you know, the, the history, the, about manifestations of the glory of God. Went back in there, uh, Second Chronicles fifth chapter, when the singers and praisers became as one, singing and praising the Lord. And, uh, and, and uh, suddenly the place was filled with the cloud so the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. And then you go a couple chapters later, they're praying, Solomon's praying, and the glory came in so thick the priest couldn't even get into the temple at that particular time. And then he's going through all these examples of the manifested presence of God. Okay? And, and, and he's talking, then he's talking about modern examples and talked about meetings he was in where he'd be preaching and he'd look in the back and all of a sudden it'd be like a white cloud rolling in. And it just come rolling. He said one time it was like a giant flash bulb went off in the service. And when he got to where he could see again, every backslider, every sinner, every lost person in the place was kneeling at the altar getting their life right with God. And none of them know how they got from their seat to the front. So he's talking about all this. Well, you have to understand, I come out of a, I came out of a, an American Baptist church. Okay, it, that, we were the liberals of the Baptists. If that says anything, I'm not criticizing anybody. We that was our claim to fame. We are the most liberal bunch in all the bunch, and uh, I don't even remember an altar call in the if, for Baptist church not to have an altar call. I don't remember one of those growing up. I don't know, but but uh, so I'd never been. I never heard about anything like this. All I knew was the further he went. He went Old Testament. He went New Testament. He talked about times when the glory of God. He talked about when he was a young man and and uh, was sick in his body and actually left his body and died. And his grandmother and his mother tried to get in to check on him. And there was this white cloud that had filled the room. They couldn't get into the room. And he's telling all these stories. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I've never heard anything like this. And the further he went, the further he went, the thicker the presence. What you preach on, you get. The further he went, the thicker that presence got in there. The presence of God. I didn't see anything. I didn't see a cloud. I didn't see a mist. I didn't see a fog. I didn't see a flashing light. I didn't see anything. But all I knew is the presence of God kept getting thicker and thicker. Well, he finished this, the, the, his message, and then he gave an invitation for people to be saved. People flooded the front. Best altar call the whole week. People flooded the front to get born again, backsliders to come back, people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. The biggest altar call he had all week. And they all went to another part of the, another tent actually, to get, you know, spiritual things taken care of. And then so, um, he, at that point he said, all right, now, now, we're going to do it like we always do. We're going to lay hands on people for healing tonight. One way God heals is by the laying out of hands. Not the only way, but one way. He said, that's what he's directed me to do. We're going to have a laying out of hands service. Now, this is my job, okay? 
So this other fellow and I, well, that's our job is to catch in the prayer lines. So people lined up, people lined up, clear down the, and out the back of the tent, both sides. Came, we, we led him across the front, got a line clear across the front of the tent, and he walked over here, and, and this other guy and I, we had, we had, somebody taught us how to do this, we had it down to a science. You know, it, you know, he's, we stand next to each other, if somebody falls, we catch him, uh, and, and the other person runs around, you, you leapfrog all the way down the line. So nobody hits the ground, theoretically. <laughs> and, and he started there, and he said, now, Lord, you know, as we uh, lay our hands on these people by the direction of the head of the church, the Lord, he prayed the same prayer every time, every time. By the direction of the head of the church, the Lord Jesus, according to the law of contact and transmission, the contact of my hands transmits God. He, had, he prayed the same thing, same thing every time. Well, I'm used to that. We've done this quite a few times. He starts praying that way. And all I know is he laid hands on the first person and I caught them. Laid hands on the second person. They went down under the power. The next fellow caught them. We laid hands. I leapfrogged around. They caught, he laid hands on the third person. And I, as they went down, I caught them. And all of a sudden, something fell in that tent. I didn't see it. I was too busy to see anything. Something, there was a presence that fell in that tent. I'd never been anything. This is what we're heading into, folks. If the storm comes, if the lightnings and the thunder, the bad stuff, if it comes, don't let it shake you because I'm telling you what's coming, not after, but in the middle of it. These two clouds aren't coming one after the other. They're coming simultaneously. And when the storm comes from one side, you better watch because the glory is coming from the other side. Because people are going to run to God when the storms hit. They're not going to wait till the storms leave and then go, oh, I think I need an answer. It's when the storms come in, you're going to have folks running, and we better have some answers. And it's, if we think just a pretty little message is going to reach them, it ain't going to happen. We're going to have to have demonstration of the Spirit and power so their faith will not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, 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 about that, about that third person, we, we got, we got this down, okay? We do, we know how to do our job. About the time he got to about that third person, that something, there was a presence that fell in that entire tent. I'd never felt anything like that in my life. I'd never been, I say, I hate to say feel, but it was so strong as almost a feel. And when that happened, Brother Hagin just, he backed up about a foot, held his hand out toward people, and took off running. Didn't touch anybody, he just ran across that line. Well, he's running, we're trying to catch people. <laughs> and, and I mean, I've got one, two in this arm and two in this arm. I got one against my chest and I'm watching bodies just flying everywhere going down that line. And, and, and we, there's no way. And I'm thinking he's not going to be happy with us because nobody's get there hitting the ground everywhere. People just bouncing off the floor, people flying over chairs, bodies flying everywhere. And he's just running. He's not touching anybody. He gets down to the very end and some guy had his wits about him enough as Brother Hagin ran past him. He hooked his arm around Brother Hagin's and swung him around and dropped him into a chair. So we proceeded to drag all the bodies off and put them somewhere, and we lined up the next line of people. So we got another line. He gets up, walks up in front of the line, holds his hand out, and runs the full length again. And I mean, he's not laying hands on people. He's not praying for people. He's just, he's just running past people. That glory had come in to that tent. It was in there and it stayed. And I can say this. We were there for the rest of the week and, and there were more healings, more miracles, more testimonies in that one night than the rest of the week all put together. When the glory came in, it just magnified everything God was doing. It just magnified it. 
And all I know is when we finally got everybody up and out of the tent, we headed back to our rooms just across the parking lot. I'm walking back there, heading back for, for, for the room. And I remember saying, God, I don't understand this. They didn't have this where I grew up. They didn't do this in the church I grew up in. I'm kind of at a handicap here. But I'll, I'll tell you one thing, God, if this is available today, and apparently it is, if this is available for anybody other than Brother Hagen, I want this. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, this is what I'm looking for. I want the manifestation of your presence to the point it changes lives. It's, they don't have to get to me. They just have to get to you. Such a presence, what, we, what I call a corporate presence, not just something working on me or through me. It just comes in and just fills the building. You know, that's where we're going to have to be in the near future because what's co- there's a harvest coming in, and there's going to be more people than we can get to for laying out of hands. It's going to have to be a corporate anointing, a corporate presence, corporate miracles. You just stand back and pray and let God just do what he does. But I remember, I said, God, I mean, God, I'm serious about this. If this is available, I'm a candidate. I don't care what, I don't care what price I have to pay. I don't care what price I have to pray. I doesn't make, doesn't make any difference to me. I'm after this. I want you to know I'm going to be in the throne room on a regular basis talking to you about this because I said, I, nobody ever told me about this. Somehow I got robbed the, the first 20 years of my life. Somehow I got robbed. I didn't know about any of this and I, I want this. Not for a reputation, fame or fortune. I said, God, I saw what this will do for a group of people. You did, God, you did more in 15 minutes than I've seen you do in the last 12 months. Something about that. Well, you know, life went on from there. I, uh, I don't have to cut this a little short because we, oh, we could go all night. But anyway, uh, I, I was a youth pastor and I <laughs> got one in every crowd. From your church, yeah, I, I figured that. I was, I I went a year later, I went to, imagine that, (laughs) wow. I went to Colorado to be a youth pastor and uh, bless their hearts, those poor youth. But anyway, um, we did a youth camp up in the mountains of Colorado, old lodge up there. And and the the last night of the camp, our our guest speaker had to leave early for some reason. We had the, the football coach was one of the chaperone guys up there. And uh, I said, Coach, why don't you just share with the kids tonight? And he got up. He just started sharing. And as he's sharing, it was the first time in like a year, year and a half, that I'd been around that. All of a sudden, that, that building, that old lodge filled with the glory. Just filled with it. I felt like I was walking in, in, in a cloud. It was, I, it was like I could feel it almost up to my knees. It was like trying to move in slow motion. The glory came in. I, I walked past, and the, the pastor's son was walking around over here, and I walked past it. And I lived at their house, so I knew these kids. And I, will, I looked at him, I said, you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, no. I said, you never told me. He said, no, I know. I touched his forehead. He lifted both hands, started talking in tongues. Another girl had broken a finger that day in a, one of the athletic things we had going. And they had it all, you know, bandaged up in a splint and all that. She's praising God. I walked by and just tapped her hand. She grabbed that thing, ripped off the, 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 the splint, starts moving her fingers. In. People, kids were getting healed. Kids were getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and um, to this day, probably maybe half, more than half of those kids are either pastoring churches or on the mission field today. Now, I can tell you it wasn't because I was such a good youth pastor. I can help you with that. I, I'm so convinced that one encounter with the glory of God released some things in their lives. They're all over the world today. They're all over the world and, and doing amazing things. One guy's 
one's got he's pastoring a great church in Colorado. Two of them are pastoring great churches in Colorado, and it goes on and on. I attribute all that to one encounter with the glory of God. And and, and here I've got to get to this one before we finish. Um, we were talking about it actually yesterday. <laughs> um, you know, growing up, my my dad was a, a businessman. Okay, he was in uh, real estate business, insurance business. Uh, he was a salesman. Uh, you know, uh, earth moving equipment, all kinds of stuff. And, uh, um, probably what you'd call a nominal Christian, you know, maybe a little on the carnal side, maybe a little. And, um, uh, but they always, always supported my decisions. So thrilled that I was obeying God, thrilled that married this wonderful woman, thrilled that we're in the ministry, thrilled with all this. So, so, they just said, sometimes when you're in the area traveling, we'll come and we'll just go to one of your meetings. But when we do, we're going to sit in the back. Do not introduce us. Do not make mention of us. Do not do anything. We're going to, we'll, we'll go, we'll leave, we'll sit in the car and wait. If you have some time after the service, we'll go get something to eat. That's fine. Otherwise, we'll just head out, go back home. But please do ne- never do this. Just don't even introduce us. I said, okay, I, I got it. I got it. And so, we're in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> we were just talking about this yesterday. There are these landmarks in your minds, and they never go away. We're in this meeting in Mobile, Alabama. And um, camp meeting, conference, love, con- love conferences, love conferences. So we're in that meeting, and uh, I don't know how, how, there were a bunch of us. I don't know how many of us were there, but, but I get word. The gang's all here. The gang. So my parents, are, they're going from Michigan, where they're from. They're going down to Florida. They're pulling a little trailer behind them. They're going to go for a number of weeks, kind of semi-retire, and going to get in warm weather. And, and so, but they said, we're going we're gonna to leave early, and we're going to swing out through Mobile, and we're going to come to your meeting. It's great. They found a little place to park the trailer, you know, a little trailer park there, and, and um, came into the service. And I don't, know how, I don't know what night it was, but I remember Ross Roberts, the, the pastor, um, he said, uh, you, you take the service tonight. I said, okay. And so I got ready in, in the afternoon. I was getting ready for the service and there was, there comes the Holy Ghost. He said, minister on the glory. Minister on the glory tonight. I said, okay. So we go into the service and, and, and I'm just doing what I know to do to minister on the glory. On the, the manifested presence of God. In the Bible, sometimes it looks like a mist, a fog, a smoke. Uh, sometimes you don't see it, you just sense it. You don't, you don't have to see it to get it to work, but get used to it because it's getting to where we're, you know, um, before the COVID thing hit, now we're regrouping, but before that we're getting to where it was not uncommon to sense the glory coming into our services on a Sunday morning. We're going to get back there. We're just having to make some adjustments. But, um, but, um, you know, people are a little distracted right now. So anyway, um, we, um, uh, we're in the service, and I'm ministering on, on the glory of God, you know, and just just doing what I know to do, and I got all done. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to give an invitation for people to have hands laid on for healing. So I did that, and people lined up across the front. And I thought, well, I'll go ahead and lay hands on them. We'll, we'll all go home. This will be the, the service for the night. I'm just standing there, and all of a sudden, inside, I hear the Holy Ghost say, there's somebody here that has deterioration of the spine. Call them up here. I want to heal them. I said, okay. So I stopped and I said, before we lay hands on these folks, I need to pray for somebody. There's somebody here that you've got deterioration of the spine. 
First healing I ever had in the ministry I'm called to was a lady that had deterioration of the spine. It was in upstate New York, and um, it was the we did it. I was meeting an old farmhouse, and the guy's mother came, and she had deterioration of the spine, and they she went back home after she called the next day, perfectly healed. That's kind of a creative thing, yeah, is. is what it is. But anyway, so I called that out, and, and everybody's already standing up here, and I'm I'm just gonna wait, and all of a sudden I look and I see my my dad come walking down the aisle. And, uh, and I'm going, okay. I walked over and I put the mic behind me. And I whispered, I said, what do you need? He said, that's me. I said, what's you? He said, that deterioration of the spine. I said, what do you mean? He said, I just was at the doctor this last week. The doctor told me to decide what direction I want to be looking because my my neck's going to stiffen up and it's going to stop moving and I'll be looking that direction the rest of my life. So just decide which direction I want to be looking because it's going to go quickly. Deterioration of the spine in my neck. He said, that's me. I said, you didn't tell me that. He said, I didn't have a chance to. It's just this last week. I said, I looked out and there's nobody else coming. I said, you must be the one. So I just reached out and I put my hand on the back of his neck. I just barely brushed his forehead. And when I did that, it was like you'd hit him with a baseball bat. He dropped in a pile on the floor. Yes. I mean, he <laughs> he dropped. And he's laying on the floor and I'm going, great, now what do I do? Please don't ever introduce us or call us up or anything. And I, he's on the floor up here. And I, I don't know what to do. You know, so it, it, sometimes you just got to chill. You have to be patient. You know, well, we, what do we do next? Maybe nothing. Yeah. Maybe nothing. And I'm just standing there, you know, and, and pretty soon he started to kind of come to. And and he was he was drunk in the Holy Ghost for a week. <laughs> a week. A couple of ushers came up and they, they got their arms under his arms and they picked him up. His legs would not work. And they turn around and they're dragging him off. His feet are dragging behind him. And they're dragging him off toward his seat. And I heard myself say, bring him back here. And I thought, now what am I going to do? I don't know why I said that. I said, bring him back here. Well, they dragged him back over here. And about that time, I heard myself say, have him lay hands on all these people. I thought, oh, great. He's going to really appreciate this. So they're dragging him. His feet aren't working. One guy's got one of his hands and he's slapping it on people's heads. <laughs> Bodies are flying everywhere. The pastor's crying. He's running up and down the aisles going, everybody get up here. Everybody get up here. Come and get some of this. Come and so now it's not just this line of healing. It's the whole church. People are running up from everywhere. They're dragging my dad back and forth across the front. He's slapping hands on people. Huh? Oh, yeah, there are like 300 people in there. And, and he's just drunk as hoot owl. I mean, he has no idea what's going on. There's bodies everywhere. And I'm thinking, boy, when he comes to, he's not going to be real pleased with me about, about this. So anyway, I'll just put it this way. They finally got him out into the back seat of the car. Mom had to drive him back out. I don't know how she got him inside. But... um Came back, to, uh, kind of sobered up a little bit, came back to the next, the morning service, came back in, shook a hands with one of the ushers on the way in, they both hit the floor and he's gone for the day again. He stayed that, he stayed that way for a week, a solid week. Just drunk in the Holy Ghost. And, uh, he came up, he, at one point where he was coherent, 
He said, I've been telling some people out at the park where we're parked out there with the trailer, been telling people what happened to me. And he said, every time I talk about that, my hands start burning. And he said, what's that? And I said, I don't know. I didn't do it. <laughs> he said, well, what do I do? I said, I don't know. Ask God. He started it. I said, but if it was me when that happened, I think I'd see if somebody would let me put my hands on them, see what happened. He said, oh, okay. So now he's going up and down the rows at the trailer park, knocking on doors, going, got any sick in here? they go, yeah. He'd say, bring them out here. He's starting to lay hands on people. And they'd say, well, you got any sick in here? And they go, no. And he goes, you want to feel God? They said, yeah. He said, let's go inside. Stand in front of a couch because you're probably going to go over backward. He said, people were, people were laid out all over the, the floors in their trailers. People get, it's just amazing. I mean, and honestly, the healings, he, had, he was working, he sold earth-moving equipment at the time, and he was working with some county road commissioners. One guy was laying in the hospital with stomach cancer, dying. He walked in, he says, well, he says, you want to go through surgery or you want God to heal you? Just lost as a goose, you know, in a snowstorm. So he says, well, I think I'd rather have God heal me. He said, good choice. Laid hands on the guy. They came in the next day. Stomach cancer, totally gone. Guy got born again. Goes into the, goes into the, their church. Lady comes up. She's like eight and a half months pregnant. She comes up. She says, would you pray for me? He said, yeah, but you better sit down. He said, what's wrong? He said, well, they just ran tests on my baby and they said the baby does not have a chance of living. The, there's no kidneys. The spine is on the outside instead of the inside. Um, the child doesn't have a chance of living. It's supposed to be born in just a few weeks here. And would you pray for me? He said, sure, sit down there. Laid hands. Baby's born in two weeks, perfectly healthy. Kidneys, spine's fine, perfectly healthy and all that. This was happening all the time. Now, I'm not saying the glory did that. What I'm saying is when he got over in that, it launched him into what God had for his life all along. I could give you example after example after example of, 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 of folks getting in, getting in the glory. That's what you and I are, were born for. That's what this meeting's about. God's preparing us for what He has prepared for us. You know, when you start seeing the storms come to America, something's coming. Something's coming. Don't let it bother you. It's just, it's just, it's just nothing but smoke. It's nothing but a, a, a smoke screen. Don't let it bother you. When you start hearing about all that, you need to shout and rejoice because say, just as sure as the dark cloud's coming, there's a bright cloud coming and I know which one I'm running into. I'm going for the glory. I'm going for the glory. I'm going for the glory. Hallelujah. Oh man, we could just go on and on and on and on and on and on <laughs> and on. E sombrate he keso ayatani iso esetarida ana haso mehevi amaso honetiki inana hasomre evro vrita basore. So don't uh, think too lightly of yourself and don't say, well, that could never happen to me because I'm just a nominal Christian or I'm not that spiritual or I'm, I've never been around this. I'm, not, I'm new at all this. No, don't think that. Just boldly say, ah, that's me. That's where I'm going. That's what I'm going to do. I was born for this. I'll walk in this. I'll finish my course in this. I'll let God make me a blessing to many people. I'm going to walk, run, and dance in the glory. 
So no matter what you hear, no matter what you see, no matter what you find in, in news broadcasts and, and people talking and people arguing and people fussing and fighting, just back yourself away from that. Don't cloud your mind with clutter. Don't let the birds build nests in your brain. But that's when it's time to lift up your voice and rejoice. Find a prayer closet. Prepare yourself for that which is ahead. Say, I'm getting myself ready for what he's getting ready for me. Oh, and what a life I'm going to have and what a blessing I'm going to be. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm like you. I don't know any more than what the Holy Ghost tells us. But I tell you what. In the, in the praying, Janet and I have been doing the last couple of weeks, we have without, we weren't like, we didn't set out, well, we're going to pray for the meeting in Panama City Beach. We're just praying and all of a sudden we'd find ourselves. Sometimes you pray by information. You pray by what you know to do. Sometimes you pray by inspiration. You just jump in and see where the Holy Ghost wants to take you. I, I, I love the praying by, I love, I don't like praying with a list. I, I like praying by inspiration. I, I personally, that's my favorite. We'd find ourselves praying about this meeting, and I just all we know is there's something about this meeting that's really divine. And I'm telling you, the folks that hear from God come to the meeting and plant yourselves in. You're gonna get in something. You're gonna take something, and down the road you're gonna look back and go, God turned my life. He turned me on a dime. Hallelujah. I'm not saying I'm not saying you're gonna run into the hospitals and clean out hospital wings and all that. I'm just saying you're gonna find yourself in some places and you're gonna realize that I'm equipped then I'm equipped for this because of what God did for me there. Hallelujah. Glory to God.